The Gospel According to Matthew, Chapter 18 At the hour the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who thinkest thou is the greater in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus, calling unto him a little child, set him in the midst of them, and said, Amen, I say to you, unless you be converted and become as, a little, as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever, therefore, shall humble himself as this little child, he is the greater in the kingdom of heaven. And he that shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. Hey, hey there. Welcome back to Catholic with a Zen Mind. <clears throat> the only podcast out here that, uh, well, we're taking Zen Buddhism. And we're analyzing aspects of it. From a Catholic perspective, we're using... Uh, traditional Catholic sources. We're using the Dewey Rames Bible, uh, particularly for this segment today, we're using a Dewey Rames Bible. Um, this is a segment I call the Scriptures and Parables. This is uh, basically, well, well, what I do is I come and I just read you some scripture, and you know, I read, if I have any Zen parables to match the scripture to make the point I'm making. I read those too. And so that's what we have today. These used to be what I called mini bonus episodes, but from now on they're just going to be called Scriptures and Parables. That's the name of the segment. And uh, speaking of which, I actually have uh, ideas for multiple uh, directions to take the podcast. I, uh, I'm still staying on the topic of uh, Catholic with a Zen mind, but I'm going to start doing multiple different segments. Uh, I've uh, recently gotten a hold of uh, quite a few more sources uh, from the Buddhism versus the Christian aspect. Uh, I got more sources as far as, you know, some history and things. See, I did a Zen history episode, which if you didn't check that one out, it came out, uh, it was uh, it was a pretty good episode. Uh my cousin Rufus von Lichtenstein, uh, he came back and we uh, we did an episode together. But so I thought it'd be fair. Um, and another segment I'm going to start doing is I'm going to do short, maybe a little 15, 20 minute uh, history of Catholicism episodes. And this is for more along the lines of anyone 
who finds the podcast that's not a Catholic and wants to learn more about the Catholic side of things. Uh, so the, it's, you know, it's, this is, it's just being fair here, right? <laughs> you know, I'm making the podcast for Catholics who want to add a little bit more, um, aestheticism, so to speak, aestheticism, um, or, uh, you know, a little bit more, not rigidity or structure to their prayer life, but a little bit more contemplation, a little bit more of a meditative side of things, um. So, that's two of the segments that uh, I'm planning on doing from now on is the scripture and parables and the uh, Catholic Church history. Uh, Another one that I'm planning on doing is I'm going to be just reading off. At some point, I'm going to have Catholic Meditations episodes where I just read off different Christian Catholic meditations I have out of some, some of the prayer books that I, I have. I, anyone who knows me personally can attest to this. I have a personal library uh, that is growing exponentially <laughs> by the week. Uh, I have a problem buying books, apparently. <laughs> uh, but a lot of them are prayer books, uh, and, a lo- and many of them are uh, meditative prayer. Uh, I have quite a few uh, more prayer books and sources on their way uh, and they should be here sometime soon. So that's just kind of an idea. I'm going to start doing smaller segmented shows, uh, and I'm probably going to do more talk, the episodes that are the core of Catholic with a Zen mind, which are my discussions about the pillars, uh, and things such as that, that are more of the, uh, core. Those are probably going to be one every other week now. But, like, the trade-off is you might get, you know, a Scriptures and Parables episode and a History of Catholicism episode, all in one weekend. Um, and then the next weekend you'll get a full episode of just uh, Catholic with a Zen Mind. Um, speaking of Catholic with a Zen Mind, I do want to address the name. It is going to cause some confusion for people. Uh, if you've listened to quite a few of the episodes, uh, especially the ones where we go through, or where I go through, and um, my cousin was with me on a few of them, and what we what we established was that Zen is actually a uh, roughly translated as meaning meditation, right? Uh, it's the same as the word uh, Chan. Uh, from China. It roughly means meditation. Uh, I believe the other word that it came from was uh, jhana. Let me see here. I can, yeah, uh, jhana. If I'm pronouncing that right, I'm probably not. I always pronounce these things wrong. <laughs> And I don't try to do that on purpose, but so the 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 Catholic with the Zen mind it doesn't mean Zen Buddhism. Okay, Zen is also a, uh, I guess you could say a sense of peacefulness about oneself. So if you have a Zen mind, you're not necessarily adopting Zen Buddhism, but you might have uh, 
more of a, I don't know, a meekness about you. Uh, but it, the title almost literally means Catholic with a meditative mind. Um, which means pretty much instead of worrying about things, instead of um, focusing on things, trying to control and manipulate and solve things to a harmful degree, you uh, you let God help you do these things. You don't... Yeah, I'm not saying give him full reins, but you, you let him help you. You meditate. You... you in a sense, you quiet yourself, you listen for God's advice. Then you decide if you want to take it. It's a pretty simple way to put it. <laughs> it's, it's not exactly the best way, but it's, it's a pretty simple way to put it. And, and accurate, too. Um, still a lot to be explained in that paraphrase. But I've, I've been rambling, I've been talking too much. Um, today's topic... We have be like a child. At least that's what I'm pretty sure I'm going to call it. Uh, it th- this is a scriptures and parables uh, segment episode. And today we have the concept of being like a child. Now what sparked this is... Now I've seen this before. Um, but on Facebook I came across uh, an old post... It was either in my memories or someone had shared it. I don't remember. Uh, someone had shared it, I believe. But it was of a a little girl. It was a toddler. I forgot what her name was in the video, but it was a little girl, a young girl, a toddler. And it was at this it was a house in, in, in the backyard. There, there was a statue of uh, Our Lady, of Mother Mary. And this toddler goes up and gives her a hug. Maybe ten second hug. And she has this look on her face. She's in a state of wonderment almost, you know. <laughs> uh, and then she hugs the statue even more. And eventually, you know, video ends with her letting go of the statue. Almost looking like she's bowing in front of the statue and then she reaches out and touches it with her arm and and decides to walk away uh and it was it just made me think you know uh all all the research i've done and 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 i can't exactly find the specific parts of in the books themselves but i know in alan watts's book he talks about how when you achieve what's called mushin or no mind uh that you're almost in like a childlike state of wonder of the world. And that's kind of what I felt was expressed on that child's face. Uh, and now I read, I read out of St. Uh, Book of Matthew, chapter 18. One, I just read one through, um, one through five. Really the meat of the matter is one through three. Amen. I say to you, unless you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, well, one through four. Four is who, whosoever, therefore, shall humble himself as this little child. He is the greater in the kingdom of heaven. 
Um, and, you know, that's that's always been actually one of my favorite Bible passages to uh, meditate on. <laughs> um, so what I'm actually going to do is before we, we talk about the uh, Bible and some of the things I have regarding us being children um, with the Bible. I want to read, uh, I'm going to read this off my phone, actually. Uh, let's see, is it from the Quan uh, Um School of Zen.org? And it is called Child's Mind is Buddha's Mind. And the author is talking, um, let's see, what does it say? Question and answer period with Sun Sanim at the Empty Gate. Berkeley KBC Zen Center on December 17th, 1977. And I'll post a link uh, to this article in in the show notes if you want to read the story. Um, But I'm going to skip about halfway down the article where it starts and it says, Before, in Korea, a woman went to visit the great temple, Kong Bong Sa, with her child. This child was about five years old and could only talk a little, but he was very clever. The mother went to the Buddha hall with a monk and prayed to Buddha. The child thought, Praying doesn't matter. I don't like praying. So he went looking around. Usually the Buddha hall is in the middle. On the left side is a Zen center. And on the right side is a Sutra center. The child went to the Sutra center. But it was very noisy. Many people reading sutras. He didn't understand. So he went to the Zen center and looked through a little open door. Everyone was facing the wall, bowing to the wall. That was okay, but sometimes somebody would disappear and become a snake. Somebody would disappear and become a big dog. Somebody would become a mountain god. Or somebody would become a hungry ghost. You know, they would have a very big stomach and a very small neck. This was very interesting to the child. Oh, a snake! The snake disappeared! Now a dog! The dog disappeared! Changing. Changing. About an hour passed, and the mother finished praying. She wondered, where is my child? And went all around looking for him. Then she went to the Zen center and saw the child at the door. Oh, snake! That time a snake! Oh, dog! The mother thought this was very strange and asked, What are you doing? I'm watching the dog. Where is the dog? Over there! Over there! But the mother could not see a dog. Only a great monk. At this time, the monk became a dog or a snake. And the child would say, Dog! Or, Snake! The mother said, no good. This is a Zen center, and these are all great monks 
This style is no good. No, no, no. See, a snake, a snake. Come here. No, I like this. Then the mother asked the Zen master, My child said he saw dogs and snakes appearing inside the Zen center. The Zen master said, Yeah, correct. All people have these consciousnesses. God, Ashura, human, animal, hungry, ghost, demon. They all have these minds. If you are attached to something, then you become a dog or a snake. You get heaven or hell. Uh, your child is very clear, so he can see other people's consciousnesses. Normal people cannot see them. Why? Their minds are dusty, not clear, so they cannot see the consciousness body. Your child can see these monks' <laughs> these monks consciousness bodies, their attachments. These monks are attached to something. They have their minds, so they must clean their minds, so they sit zen. Therefore, Bodhidharma said, the Buddha taught all the Dharma in order to save all minds. When you do not keep all these minds, what use is there for the Dharmas? Child's mind is Buddha's mind. Just seeing, just doing is truth. Then, using this mind means when you are hungry, eat. When someone is hungry, give them food. I just thought this was a a funny story, and uh, yeah, I I know I I read that story like it was a, a play, I guess you could say. Uh, I did some acting in high school, so uh, it was probably terrible, <laughs> and I apologize. <laughs> but uh, I just thought it was a cool story. Just it it represents the way that kids look at the world and how they have. They, they, I mean, he's not necessarily seeing exactly what these monks are turning into. But his imagination and his sense of wonderment and he was entertaining himself. There, everything that this Zen master says about the clearness of a child's mind is brilliant. Because it's true. And I mean... Kids... Aren't... Jaded. We... Pump... Our children's heads... Full of our prejudices... And our biases. And by the time... They're old enough to be called an adult. They no longer have that cleanness of their minds. That's why many people turn to doing things like Zen and meditation. Which, if you noticed in the story, he said to sit, so they sit Zen. Meaning, so they sit in meditation. Like I said about the name. Catholic with a meditative mind. Catholic with a Zen mind is the same thing. So they sit in meditation to clean their minds, is what he says. 
it's kind of if you want to look at it from a Christian standpoint, Christians and Catholics, we should be sitting in meditation and thinking about things like the Beatitudes from the Bible and thinking, meditating on, hmm, are we living in accordance with these? And we should be meditating on them. That's how, that's how a Christian and a Catholic meditates and cleans their mind. Moving on, um, <laughs> before I start going off on a tangent and derailing the scriptures and parables episode, <laughs> we'll move on to the next parable. This is out of the, uh, well, if I can open the right page here, there we go. This is out of um, uh, two Zen classics, the Gateless Gate and the Blue cliff records and this is actually on loan to me from rufus von lichtenstein now i don't know how to pronounce these uh, so i do apologize if anyone does know how to pronounce these and i totally butcher the words um, but there is a small parable and a short verse um, about uh, joshu's a newborn baby and then there are notes, and it goes through and kind of has some explanations. Uh, and, and I, you know, I might actually be able to read through all the explanations real quick, um, rather easily. But this is uh, in, in it would seem the blue the blue cliff records because it's in the later part of the book, uh, which is the second section, I guess you could say. Case eighty: Joshu's a newborn baby. A monk asked Joshu. Does a newborn baby possess the six senses or not? Joshu said, It is like throwing a ball into the rapids. The monk later asked, Tosu, what is the meaning of throwing a ball into the rapids? Tosu said, Nen after nen, without ceasing. Okay, and so... Uh, and for anyone who doesn't know the word nen, N-E-N, nen, and, and like I said, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, uh, is a technique that allows a living being to use and manipulate their own life energy, known as aura. The word nen can also be used in conversation to refer to aura. So that's most likely how the, uh, the monks are referring to it or the monks or masters or whatever they are. That's how they're referring to it in the story here is aura. So the ball fl being thrown into the river and floating is, is, is passing from aura to aura ceasingly without stopping, and without caring, and without trying to fight it. Uh, I just wanted to clarify that because nen is not exactly a word <laughs> that pops up in uh, common English conversation. So that's 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 the main subject. That's the base of the story. Here is uh, Secho's verse. The question, the six senses, purposeless, well acquainted with it, the masters. The ball is thrown into the rapids. Do you know where it is carried? So this goes on to the next section in here in the book. It says notes. So this is kind of just explaining everything, <laughs> all of that. It's un unpacking everything that's compressed into that briefness. 
Joshu Tosu. Tosu was 41 years younger than Joshu. He settled down in his temple when he was 61 years old. The incident related in the present case must have taken place when both he and Joshu were quite old. Does a newborn baby possess the sixth sense or not? In Buddhist psychology, the six senses are seeing, hearing, touching, smelling, and tasting, together with the activity of consciousness. The Buddhist psychologist also conceives of seventh and eighth senses. These relate to deeper levels or activities of consciousness. The seventh bears a certain relationship to the modern psychologist's subconscious. The eighth is thought of as having no particular activity of its own, but is constituting the foundation of all other conscious activities. We experience it at the deepest level of absolute samadhi, S-A-M-A-D-H-I. It's a oneness with the object of meditation. Um, there's no distinct distinction between uh, meditation itself and the act of doing meditation. Uh, you're just always in an a state of meditation. Uh, it, in some aspects, it's also known as a oneness with uh, the universe or the totality of the entire experience of everything around you. If you are achieving the goal of Zen, which is a oneness with everything, which, I mean, becomes no goal uh, <laughs> later on down the road, uh, you are in a state of samadhi, you are one with the universe, one with everything, the totality of all reality and experience. Uh, so that's that's what samadhi is for anyone who doesn't uh, know that term. The experience of it gives the Zen student the firm conviction of returning to his original nature. This enables him to imagine that the mental life of a newborn baby must be largely at the level of this eighth sense, its senses and consciousness being not yet fully developed. The monk, in this case, had come to see this from his own experience, but was still not certain of it, and hence asked Joshu this question. It is like throwing a ball into the rapids. Moment after moment, the ball floats on with the stream. It has no time to stop and reflect upon itself. It corresponds to the action of the first men. A newborn baby's senses may not yet f be fully developed, but such as they are, they are pure, not yet overlaid by the delusive activity of consciousness as in an adult. The baby is capable of pure cognition, though that cognition is not fully developed. Full-fledged pure cognition is achieved by the practice of Zazen, in which the delusive action of the third Nen is cast off, Nen after Nen without ceasing. Nen follows Nen, each passing away, moment by moment. In ancient times, before scientific research had begun, this knowledge could be attained only through Zen practice, in which the different sorts of Nen actions are clearly perceived. Zen students attained, through their practice, a wonderful insight into the nature of consciousness, and this insight gave them a deep understanding of human nature.
the six senses, purposeless. The sun shines silently, without purpose, without motive, without seeking profit or trying to earn merit. In this sense, Bodhidharma's coming to China was purposeless and meaningless. A mirror's reflecting is purposeless, meaningless, and empty. A Zen master's activities are also purposeless. Of course, they are purposeful, too, but from the viewpoint of the self-centered, deluded activity of consciousness, they are purposeless. Pure cognition through the medium of the six senses is also done purposelessly. Purposelessly. Well acquainted with it, the masters. These two great masters, Joshu and Tosu, were fully acquainted with the pure cognition of the newborn baby, and also with that achieved by pure uh, with that achieved by purified Nen action in the adult's positive samadhi. A ball is thrown into the rapids. Do you know where it is carried? Over a thousand years ago, Zen students were familiar with the subtle activities of consciousness through experiencing various phases of samadhi. So, it's pretty much just going through and, and saying kind of what I was saying, how the child's mind is pure. <laughs> They're capable of just unfiltered, full pistons, all systems go, cognitive functions. When you tap into the so-called Zen mind I always speak about, it's not necessarily a no-mindedness. You're almost using every aspect of your mind to take in everything around you. And I mean, if you think that you can look around and take in everything around you without labeling it, because that's what the Zen mind does, is it, it just sees everything for what it is without labels. If you think you can do that, I challenge you to try. It's quite hard. Some of you probably can. <laughs> and when it and you can probably attest to this as well when you do. It brings you a sense of peace. You don't worry about labeling things this or that or or whatever. You just float about your day. And it's not a full detachment. No. Have you ever seen a kid 100% fully detached from everything around him? Or her? Absolutely not. It's, I mean, most of them, we think they all have ADHD. Ooh, shiny. <laughs> you know? So, but, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting, interesting story to read. Uh, especially the parallel of a newborn baby and the idea of being reborn in Christ. That somewhat speaks for itself. And then when it goes on, it talks about the, the six senses, the purposeless. Uh, sun shining silently, without purpose. I mean, th th these are all things I've been expressing in regards to a Zen mind. When you get in down to Zen, it has, it, you could almost say it has nothing to teach you. I mean, just 
think back on the passage or the explanation it gives about the six senses or whatever. Uh, whatever it means by that. It says the sun shines silently without purpose, without motive, without seeking profit or trying to earn merit. In this sense, Bodhidharma's coming to China was purposeless and meaningless. A mirror is reflecting is purposeless, meaningless, and empty. A Zen master's activities are also purposeless. Of course, they are purposeful too, but from a viewpoint of the self-centered, deluded activity of consciousness, they are purposeless. Pure cognition through the medium of the six senses is also done purposelessly. <laughs> it's 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 expressing exactly what I've been saying. No mind. There's no purpose to your actions. We obviously, as Christians and Catholics, put purpose behind our actions. Our actions are uh, what we believe God wills us to, or wants us to do. His His will for us. So we try and live according to that. Um, that's our what we should be, I guess what, what many of us would say is our purpose is to live in accordance with God's will, to love him, to know him, and to serve him, um, to worship him, to love him, all that good stuff, right? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just, I just figured that would, uh, that fits the, the theme of what I wanted to, uh, cover here today in the scriptures and parables and being scripture and parables i would now like to go back to the dewey reigns do reigns bible so we've gone over kind of why uh why kids kind of have this wonderment about them they have this uh clean mind as it's put in the zen stories that we've read so far little children have a clean mind right um now before i go back to reading about the scriptures i want you to think back with everything we just went over in the zen stories i want you to think back about the video i talked about this young it, it was a toddler it had to had to be at least maybe at the oldest, maybe a little over a year, she <laughs> walks on up to the statue of Mother Mary, gives her a hug, and has the most innocent sense, most pure and clean sense of wonder on the face. And it, it, almost a look of listening, like... Mother Mary was speaking to her. And she she kind of steps back and looks looks at the statue again like, "Hey. <laughs> you you're talking to me." <laughs> you know? And then hugs Mother Mary again a second time. This time embracing her for over a good 35 seconds. All the while, having that look of wonderment and and l listening, recognition like she hears someone. You can call it what you want. But this child was in a pure state of samadhi, I guess you could say. A full sense of experience. 
a pure, clean mind. A ball thrown into the river rapids, <laughs> as our story from the Blue Cliff record relates. I was reminded of a picture. It's been floating around the internet for quite some time, and I'm sure plenty of you have seen it. But it is a picture, and it's of another toddler. And this toddler sees a statue of our Lord on his way to Calvary. On his way to be crucified. Right? Falling with his cross on his back. It's a statue. Metal statue. And this this toddler sees the statue. And sees our Lord and sees he needs help with his cross. And the, the toddler goes to help him. The picture I speak of is of a toddler who is grabbing the very bottom of the cross that would have been where underneath the feet of our Lord where the blood would have trickled down if it would have been the actual cross. But the, it was toddler was picking it up from that area of the cross trying to help the statue of our Lord carry his cross. And, it, and, and it's another example of the child's mind. <laughs> Very much like the Zen mind. When you're in a state of wonderment, you don't waste time with labels to an extreme degree. You, you do understand good for you and bad for you at a base level. You do understand right and wrong at a base level, such as the child trying to help our Lord carry his cross. But you're on this cutting edge of the current moment, enjoying things, and you're not wasting time with the labels in life that don't matter, that kids never seem to concern themselves with. Not until they're older. So, we'll hop back in here. I just wanted to make that parallel between the way Zen and Buddhism states that children's minds are pure and clean and they have a higher sense of consciousness than us adults do. Like I said before, because we become jaded after years of society pushing its prejudices and biases upon us. That's what we're seeing in society these days, is the culmination of people pushing their prejudices and their biases onto other people and projecting them onto other people. Now, I'm not going to get any deeper into that, but that's one of my biggest points about today's happenings but so when we started the episode I read Matthew out of the book of Matthew chapter 18 verses 1 through 4 um, and you know it says I'll go ahead and read it again and it says at the hour the disciples came to Jesus saying who thinkest thou is the greater in the kingdom of heaven and Jesus calling unto him a little child set him in the midst of them and said amen I say to you 
unless you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, he is the greater in the kingdom of heaven. Now that's just one through four. Now, that says it all right there. He's, he's telling you, humble yourself as a child. Now he's not speaking in the strict sense of everything we just went over and said. Not the quite the same kind of teaching. His is different. And we have to read for me to make the point, to really bring that point home. We're going to have to move on and read out of Romans in a bit. But the point being, we are all sons and daughters of God. So we all rely on him as his children. And in relation to him, and what in traditional Christian thought and theology would we believe him to be? That's a very good <laughs> analogy. He is like the wise, all-knowing, old man, father to all of us, and we are nothing but infants, respectively and relatively. Uh, and even in the sense of um, the Eucharist and communion at church, I was listening to a podcast uh, a little while ago, and it had uh, it was the Taylor Marshall Show, and it had Bishop Athanasius Schneider on there, and they were talking about communion on the hand. Uh, now, it's, I'm, I'm not going to get into the discussion about what is which and which is the best way to do what, but one of the things that he said to me that stuck out, Bishop Athanasius Schneider, in this episode, was that he said, if, if, if we were receiving communion on the tongue, we are like that of little children who show that we have dependence on the Father which we love and his bride, the church. Well, not, well, not uh, the Father's bride. It's Christ's bride is the church. But Mother Church. We have a dependence on our Father in Heaven and Mother Church. And so we, we open our mouths and we do something so intimate as stick out our tongue and receive the true presence of Christ in the body, in the Eucharist, and it's a it, it's it's a showing of vulnerability of uh, dependence. I just thought it was a really cool statement. I just kind of wanted to bring it up. I'm not. We don't have to go too much deeper into that, but <clears throat> but he's it in in Matthew. Jesus is telling him. He's saying, "Humble yourself." Most of the time, children they know. And it, it is going to sound kind of insensitive, but they know their place. And I'm not saying that in an ignorant way, not like, oh, it, the best child isn't child that's not heard. No, not by any means. Children are such a wonderful thing. They're a blessing. There's, I think it's Psalms 127, verse 3. And in the Dewey Rames it says, Behold, the inheritance of the Lord are children. The reward 
the fruit of the womb. In the New American Standard Bible. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. So, uh, it's saying here that, you know, children are a gift from God. They are, uh, well, right there is actually one of the reasons I'm pro-life. Uh, I don't want to get into a political rant about that. They're a blessing from God. So if they're a blessing from God, you know, they have kind of an innocent sense of wonder about the world endowed to them by God. And they kind of know their role within the world. A young child who doesn't necessarily understand words understands their parents when they become stern and will slowly take their hands away if they're not a stubborn child <laughs> from the hot iron that was left on and the parents just now realize the child is reaching up for. They can understand a sense of urgency from an authority figure, someone they know cares for them and loves them. That's what I mean by very young children can know their place. Not that children should know their place and be taught their place or anything like that. No. Jesus loves the little children. <laughs> you know? He gathers them all unto himself. Could it be because as in Zen states their minds are pure? And anything that is pure is gathered unto Christ? something to contemplate he says if you're not converted and become as little children that's what he's saying if you, if you, if you do not come unto the father and rely on him and show love on him or show love to him and rely on him become as little children you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven He's basically saying, become humble. Become like a child. Do not think to know. Do not th presume to know the world. Do not presume that you have everything right. Do not be a know-it-all. <laughs> be, be a kid who knows that there are so many wonderful things out in the world that they have no explanation for. And all that there, every day is a exciting day of discovery for a child. That's what we're, that's what I'm saying that this is kind of what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to find wonderment in the way that God works every day. Just like the Zen children find wonder through a simple, almost, oneness with the present moment, what Zen hopes to achieve, to where their mind is so pure and, and clean, there's no jadedness, no bias. It's what we're called to achieve, humbleness, no bias, no 
jadedness, no prejudice. We don't label things. And I mean this in every sense. In the sense of how you deal with other people, in the sense of how you deal with things. It's very easy to get caught up in the the whole circle of of round and round thinking of of bias and prejudice even other people's biases and prejudices you get caught up in that too let go of it all it's it's an attachment we'll move on to Romans 8.15 like I said this is the lens of which you can kind of decipher what I the point I was making with the other ones we're all children of God that to enter the kingdom of heaven to become like one of these little ones and enter the kingdom of heaven is to become a child of God right here chapter 8 in Paul's letter to the Romans verse 15 for you have not received the spirit of bondage again in fear but you have received the adoption the spirit of adoption of sons whereby we cry Abba which means father for the Spirit himself giveth testimony to our spirits that we are the sons of God. And if sons, heirs also, heirs indeed of God, and joint heirs with Christ, yet so if we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified with him. For I reckon that the sufferings of this time are not worthy to be compared with the glory to come that shall be revealed in us. And this is a good uh, little smattering of uh, verses here because it actually reflects quite a few things with the, or at least quite a few of the Catholic with the Zen mind principles. First we have what we're talking about where he says we are the sons of God. And before, I, I started at 15, but if I wanted to go uh, back, to, I could start at 14 where he says, For whoever are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And in Pillar 2, like as I try to get across, we are led by the Spirit of God because we try to live by the will of God. But so he, he goes and he says, Who led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, little children of Make yourself like little children, right? Um, says so we go on to call him Abba, Father, our Father, who art in heaven. Then um, he goes on to talk about heirs indeed of God, joint heirs with Christ. Uh, yet so if we suffer with him. So he starts talking about suffering, which revolves around pillar three and four, right? Uh, he says, if we suffer with Christ, if we take on our sufferings and with the lens of Christ, we become heirs to the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on to say that the, the sufferings of this time are not worthy to be compared with the glory to come. <laughs> He's talking about heaven, beatific vision. He's saying that it doesn't matter how much you suffer here. You know, follow the Spirit. Even if it leads you to suffering, your Father in Heaven will take care of you. If something should happen, give it up to Christ. And if you do, 
you have glory in heaven waiting for you that the sufferings that you'll go through to reach it will pale a million times in comparison to So, that's the end of the episode. You know, and, and, and again, kind of take all of these in and think about the video I talked about on my Facebook page with the infant hugging the statue of Mary. Speaking of the Facebook page, if you'd like to go and check that video out, it's still up there, uh, along with a quote. And I said it was um, Bodhidharma on my page. I think I might have got that wrong. But I might not have, so I'm not going to change it. <laughs> but, Facebook page for Catholic with the Zen Mind. You can search Catholic with the Zen Mind and you'll find the Facebook page. It should have the same picture. You can also type in, I think it's uh, capital J, J. Martin, uh, Catholic Zen Mind at... Uh, facebook.com forward slash J Martin Catholic Sun Mind um, you, you can follow me on Twitter if you want at K of C underscore Crusader you can send me emails if you'd rather go the direct route uh, Catholic Zen Mind at yahoo.com chat there uh, so this was a scriptures and parables um, segment Pretty soon we'll be rolling out some new segments for you guys. Uh, like I was talking about earlier in the intro. I'll be doing things like history. Uh, and I, I don't... I'm not an expert in the history of the church. I, I have my sources. I have a few uh, so history sources that I can pull this stuff out of. Um... Meditations of, uh, of the self from a Catholic perspective. Um, it's going to be a segment I do. I have a whole book full of hundreds of meditations of uh, to know thyself, and they're all Catholic prayers, Christian prayers. Uh, so that'll be a segment. I'll just open one up, and it'll probably be real short. I'll open it up, read it, we'll talk about it, and if there's a prayer, I'll read you all the prayer. Um, another one that might be that I might be coming out with uh, actually no I think that's all of them you got scriptures and parables you got your histories and you got your meditations and then you've got your obviously your main shows your main episodes where I'll take episode or I'll take aspects of Zen and aspects of Catholicism and put them back and forth against each other and talk them out or talk them <laughs> out um, I don't want to thank you all for being here uh, Keep your ears open The episodes might be, get sporadic But we should have something coming up for you every weekend uh, Zen hard everybody Or don't Pray hard And as always God bless
Listeners, are you enjoying the show? Do you want more content? If there was a way you could contribute financially to the show, might that interest you? Well, we've been working on that, and for now, we've got a way you can support the podcast. It's to buy CBD products from our affiliate link, which we'll put in the show notes. CTFO, that's Changing the Future Outcome. CTFO CBD is the fastest growing CBD company. Get excellent pricing on top-quality organic hemp CBD products and support the podcast at the same time. According to the Harvard Health blog, CBD may help treat certain forms of childhood epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, chronic pain, arthritis, and may help to inhibit inflammatory and neuropathic pain. All 50 states have laws legalizing CBD with varying degrees of restriction, so check your local laws. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe and tell your friends.